will take care of itself So just leave time alone And pick up the tempo just a little And take it on home Welcome once again to the Pick Up the Tempo podcast. This is episode 31 with Whitney Rose, and I'm your host, Carter Blackburn. Episode 32 will be Willis Allen Ramsey. Just got back from chatting with him, and I uh, look forward to bringing that to you. Uh, you can check out all the episodes back to episode one with Gary P. Nunn. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, spread the word, music lovers, Texas music lovers. So Whitney Rose's new album, Rule 62, is getting great reviews and is a really cool record, and Whitney's out on the road a bunch, uh, but Whitney was nice enough. I got several people told me that uh, I needed to talk to Whitney and, and check out her music, so I was happy to, and I did. Uh, and, and Whitney's playing a bunch of shows all over North America right now, but while she was back for CD release at the Continental Club for Rule 62... Whitney was brave enough uh, to come out the next day to Hills Cafe on South Congress, on South South Congress, uh, and meet up for a chat. Uh, so it's it, you got some got some ambient Hills Cafe noise, which is great as we chat. Um, it was also right after I had been visiting with Kevin Russell, uh, so it was a very good day talking with a couple great musicians. So Whitney's been working with Raul Mallow, who produced this last record, sings on this last record, and uh, been working together for a couple of years, so we definitely get into that, Raul Mallow of the Mavericks. And might as well listen to some music and then check out the conversation with Whitney Rose. So I'll play a tune. This is from Rule 62, Better to My Baby, and then right into our conversation with Whitney Rose here on the Pick Up the Tempo podcast.
All right, so step one, uh, let's see. Last night was Continental Club CD release with Raul. How was that? It was uh, a little too much fun. <laughs> it usually is. <laughs> it was a great night. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome to celebrate the new album, you know, in a place that I very much consider home, so that was cool. Yeah. Okay, so how did you, how did you make Austin home? I mean, a sem- adopted home, safe to say? Most certainly, yes. Um, I moved here two years ago now, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be uh, for two months. And as soon as I got here, I knew that I wasn't going to be going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Too fast. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I was just uh, just talking to Kevin Bruss, and he was talking about hey, I, how he got here in the early '90s, and was saying I imagine it's a totally different experience getting here now. But I guess the answer is no. I mean, you obviously you you, you fall in love with it pretty quickly. Well, it's all perspective, you know. Um, pretty much everywhere I lived, I've ever lived, you know, people say, oh, you should have been here 10 years ago. It was so different. But to me, it's still a haven. Right. You know, it's a special place in the world. And it's not, yeah, it's not being wasted on me. Awesome. And people are obviously taking um, take with the music, which is, a big, uh, which is a big part of it, too. What's it like to, I mean, you're fi- finding an audience and finding people who are um, really into what you're doing? Yeah, like I have folks who come out and see me every week when when I'm in town, which is which is so cool. Because um, we play at the Continental Club every Thursday when we're not on the road, which is becoming less and less. But uh, you know, there are, there are people who actually come every single week, and it's like their thing that they do on Thursday, and so that that's pretty cool. It is. It is very cool. Um, so what um, what was it that uh, got you on this musical path in the first place? I mean, wh- how, how did you decide you were going to pick up a guitar and do it? I didn't. It just happened. Uh, I had <laughs> I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> um, I was raised I was raised in a I don't want to say a musical family because um, I I don't have any I'm the only professional musician in my family, but uh, I have a lot of relatives who are very, very big music enthusiasts. Um, and so they kind of got me into everything very, very early. Um, I grew up on Prince Edward Island in Canada with uh, my mother and my grandparents. And my grandparents uh, are like the epitome of country bumpkins, <laughs> hicks, if you will. Uh, and uh, they most of the music that they played, um, like the first song that I learned all the way through um, was Keith Whitley's Don't Close Your Eyes, and I was two years old. Um, and that was contemporary at the time, you know, because that was late 80s, early 90s. Um, but all of the other music that they were playing, you know, it was like Patsy Cline, um, Kitty Wells, Johnny Cash. My grandfather may have been the biggest Johnny Cash fan wow. in the world, possibly. Um, some of my favorite memories are of him after he had a couple of beers, because he had a really high stress job, and so it was really cool to see him letting loose a little bit. And when any time, any time that he did let loose, he just screamed "Ring of Fire" at <laughs> at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so that's. So music was music was around, always around before before you decided you were going to pick up and play the guitar and play and, and make songs of your own. Yeah, I mean, I 
like I sang, um, I sang a lot as like as I was growing up, but I didn't. I don't think I held a guitar in my hands until my early twenties. I was gifted with one, and until then, and it it's kind of shitty to say. Um, sorry. Can yeah, I? you have to say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> um, but it 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 had never occurred to me to write my own music mm -hmm. um, until I was holding that guitar in my hand for the first time um, and that so I didn't I didn't start writing until until I was in my like, uh, late early 20s I, I want to say yeah. I think I was 24 23 24 um, but then it it's become my life and I can't imagine I can't imagine walking through this earth without doing that anymore yeah it's wow. it's the most it is the most soothing thing that um, I do these days and so even if it was late I'm very, I'm very happy that I started yeah so soothing do you mean um, I mean I guess it's everybody's kind of asked, answering the question of how do you keep your sanity right in 2017 so is is, is that how you're keeping your sanity in 2017? Well, sure. It's like, it's like writing in a diary, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, I do other things, too. Yeah. Um, when I, how I keep my sanity when I go on the road is I look up the nearest Goodwill. I, I look up the nearest Salvation Army. And I don't go to the gym, but even if it's like a 45-minute walk, I'll power walk there and... And that's how I stay yeah. sane on the road, and <laughs> and then it's it's awesome because you can also find like, incredible like four dollar finds, right. and it's great. Cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, anyway. Yeah, so it's a relatively short um, time period between like I don't know picking up a guitar and 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 starting to write songs and figure it out, or now not only for you know career or whatever but you've also you get to make songs and have um present them to great musicians and have great musicians play with you and like full creation so what's that like i mean kind of creatively from taking what you know used to be like you and a guitar and then now presenting it with a bunch of other musicians well i mean of course it's daunting um and the last yeah every time i make a record it's it's petrifying because I have, I have a pretty solid system like how I like to do things. I don't, I don't like the team, even the producer. I don't like them to know the songs too much. I'd rather go into the studio and know for sure that I have, you know, at least twenty songs in my pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, what I do is I I go in and play a song that I've written on my acoustic guitar and then we go to track. Um, so yeah, it's it's daunting, but I really, really like the uh, results that have been yielded Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, up until this point. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of art that I perceive to be contrived uh -huh. and so it, it works for me. You want to keep it fresh? Yeah. 
Yeah. So Raul Mel uh, produced this one. Uh, you guys have worked together. How did you, how did you come to work with Raul Mello? Uh, what happened was we were just talking about this last night actually because we couldn't, we couldn't pinpoint like the year that we became friends, um, but I, I believe it was 2013. I'm he thinks it was 2014. I think it was 2013. Um, I suppose a Google search could. <laughs> could definitely uh, answer this question. But they, uh, the Mavericks were traveling, um, I think they had one Canadian date. They were doing like a, like an artist showcase in, in Toronto. And I had just released my first album and signed with, uh, signed with my booking agents in Canada who still book me today um, in Canada. And they, uh, yeah, they put me on this bill and I did it just with, it was myself and my guitar player. Um, and I had been, like, I was a huge fan of the Mavericks. Cause mm -hmm. my, like, my grandparents played them in their bar. And, yeah. um, you know, I was, I was really excited about the gig, but I had never seen them live. And seeing them live for the first time changed everything about, like, how I look at live shows. Um, and like what what performance is to me because they in in my you know in my humble opinion they put on the best live show yeah. and I've seen I've seen a lot of live shows at this point I won't yeah I won't list who they're yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who they're topping um, but I've seen a lot of live shows I've opened a lot of live shows and it wasn't it wasn't as changing for me as it was seeing the Mavericks live for the first time and uh, thank God they they like me too um, <laughs> and so they invited me to tour with them and so I toured with them one more time and then they invited me out for a second tour and on that tour I had uh, I had written enough to make a new album and I knew that I wanted Raul to produce it and so it was it was one of the, one of the most like nerve-wracking moments of my life and it's hilarious to look back at it now um but I was scared shitless you know like I think Raul and I were out on this uh on the second tour that I was doing with them and we were eating dinner it was a night off and I asked him to produce the album, and I fully expected him to say, like, oh, honey, you know, that's really sweet, but I'm, I'm super busy. And uh, it, it was honestly like, uh, oh, you want me to produce you? Fuck yeah. Uh, but <laughs> let's do it. Okay, can we get some more muscles over here? Um, and it was so, which is so him, but what was one of the most, like, nerve-wracking moments of my life uh, was that can we have more muscles yes I'll produce your album <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think you, you've taken a lot away from you said from uh, just like performance wise what have you, what do you what do you think you've picked up from making records um, uh, and and I guess especially the last one nothing apparently that's why I don't have a hit <laughs> yeah um, being in the studio with them is uh, it's incredible too. Um, it's I like to call it like my university. Uh -huh. um, 
Like I, I did go to college. I went to college. Uh, I didn't, and this was kind of an act of defiance, but I'm half of one credit from, from having my BA in English literature. And uh, why I don't do it is because I don't want to have something really solid to fall on. Right. I want to keep what I'm doing. Right. Um, I don't know, this might come, come to bite me in the ass. Um, but uh, basically every, pretty much every uh, like waking moment that, that I spend with Raul and the whole band, like, Jerry Dale, Paul, uh, Eddie Perez, like they're, they're just, they're the coolest teachers you could ever awesome. possibly hope for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, so cool. Well, this is, uh, before I turn this thing on, you were telling me about the Horseshoe Lounge in Toronto. So this is my, my beloved Horseshoe Lounge of Austin is no more. Or at least not presently. So, you got to tell me about the Horseshoe Lounge in uh, the Horseshoe Lounge in Toronto. Sure. Um, I'm curious about. There was a Horseshoe Lounge here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you all about it. But it closed after 50 years, uh, two Februarys ago. It's so like two and a half years ago. Yeah. That's really sad, man. It is. It, it sucks is. when your bar closes. It does. It really does. Um. Okay. So the Horseshoe Tavern. Yeah. Uh. It's, I want to say it, it opened in the 60s, and it's, it's on Queen West uh, in Toronto. Uh, with, I lived in Toronto for a long time. I lived there for twice as long as I lived, I've lived here. Um, I lived there for four years. And uh, it's, it's a very cool city. I don't know if you've been there. No, I've never been to Toronto. Dude, you're missing out. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, so the, the Horseshoe Tavern is, like, when I first, when I first started playing uh, in Toronto, it was kind of like a goal venue, like, the Stones play there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's a big old honky-tonk, but it's right in the thick of, like, downtown Toronto things. Um, and just everything about it is amazing. The, like, I know... I probably know 80% of the bar staff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they like yeah. they open early and like if you're doing things around downtown, you go in there at 1 p.m. to have beer. Um, but it was also uh, it was also really cool because that's where I released uh, Heartbreaker of the Year, which was the last full-length thing that I did. Uh, we had the release party there, and it was it was so cool for me to do it there because it was it was sold out, you know, and it was a much larger venue um, that I was used to playing in Toronto. Um, but I had I had cut my teeth on on Queen West, which is where uh, the Horseshoe Tavern is. I cut my teeth at the Cameron House, which is a smaller a smaller output. Um, actually, I was talking about it with my band the other day, and I was trying to describe to them like what the Cameron House is and what uh, the Horseshoe Tavern is, and uh, what I came up with is just to give them some Austin perspective. Right. Um, 
So the Cameron House on Queen West is kind of like the Continental Club to what the White Horse would would be. Gotcha. Um, so it's like a bigger club, and it's like slightly more. Oh. Is this yours? I, I didn't order any food. Oh, no okay. to die, but yeah. it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yikes. Sorry. Um, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I know um, I've heard other like uh, Canadian uh, actors say they always you're always aware of who else is Canadian. Are you? Are, is there is there a tight circle of Canadian Americana um, country um, whatever you want to say musicians that you keep track of? Anybody else in the anybody else in the loop? Um, there's definitely some people that I've been following. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> call them friends. Um, I don't have a ton of friends. I'm kind of lame. Hmm. Um, Just make music and get out, get out there. Yeah. Um, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess you know it's kind of shitty. Um, but yeah, you don't you don't necessarily have a whole lot of time um, to do that. And then you know you have built-in friends when you in a situation like mine. Um, my band is my family, um, and yeah, everyone in my band uh, is male, which I would like to change at some point. I would love to have a female, another female in the band. I really want to do that. Um, but they're like my brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. They're face. They're like my built-in friends, whether they like it or not. <laughs> So what's uh, I'm gonna play one more song off the uh, off the new record. What 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 song should I play, and what do you wanna what should we say about it? I don't know. Have you listened to the whole album? I have. I have. Uh, yeah, I have. So uh, let's see. The tune about Arizona is one that I like. Okay. You wanna hear that one? Sure. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. So that that tune. It's not. It's not necessarily about. Arizona, it's about escaping the cold, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, every time that I've been in Arizona, I felt pretty warm. Yeah. But I've known a shit ton of cold people in my life. <laughs> um, and so it was, it kind of started out as a joke. Um, and just because Nonia rhymes with Arizona a little bit. Um, so that's that's how that song came to be. But it's it's just about escaping the mean. Good. Thanks for the time. Thank you. <laughs>